We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Hero at Large on February 8th, 1980. It was written by A.J. Carruthers, directed by Martin Davidson, and released by United Artists. The original title was Captain Avenger, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a shame because it starts on this billboard with the word Captain Avenger. Well, would have been nice if they could have stuck to that title. I think it's... I think it's interesting that they bothered to change the name of the movie, but they didn't... I mean, it seems like it must have been late in the game that they realized they shouldn't call it this. I think it could have been a Marvel situation. Yeah. They were like, you literally just mixed two of our characters together and like used the same font from the Captain America comics. Right, right. But it's just funny to me that they bothered... To, they're just like, yeah, we won't call it that, but we'll leave it in all the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, an actress named Robbie Morgan had auditioned for the Jay Marsh part, but during her audition, they immediately said, we like you for a different movie, the Friday the 13th movie, which is coming out later this year. Um, for her, probably better in the long run. Yeah, probably. We start with him like running lines with his actress friend. Well, well we don't know that yet. Yeah. I mean, it, it opens up with a, it's a, what's, what's the word I'm looking at? Misdirect. Right. Where, where she's complaining that she's pregnant and then he's acting flabbergasted like, I don't oh want this gosh, pregnancy. Uh, how are you feeling? Uh, yeah. And uh, that's when you find out, yeah, they are it's just lines. lines. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I, okay, you got me. I, yeah. I, I wasn't sure what to expect from this movie. It's at a funny all, way so. to set up that he's an actor in yeah. the beginning. And also that he's a good person because he's just helping out a friend reading lines. It's not like he's getting that much out of it. He meets his new neighbor who it turns out also works in film. Um, And is super hot. Yeah. Is she super hot? I don't know. (laughs) From his perspective, she's super hot. Sure. He seems enamored. She's John Ritter hot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) John Ritter is arguably hotter than this woman. I don't know. I think she's adorable. Yeah, she's great. Right now his gig is playing... A character called Captain Avenger for a marketing campaign for a feature film, which they kind of like ignore the fact that this is a character in a movie for the whole rest of the story. Right. Uh, he also uh, moonlights, or I don't know if it's his moonlight or his actual job as a cab driver. Yeah. But that never seems to come into play, and it, I guess he makes zero dollars at it because he never seems to have any money. Yeah. He's to literally pay his just rent. not paying his rent, and he doesn't have any other expenses. Although he's like willing to take other people out for lunch. Right. Like he sees like a homeless person and he's like, oh, you want to go out for some coffee? I got to tell you this crazy story. He's just like spending his money on people. And it's like, but you also just got locked out of your apartment because you're not paying your well, rent. I think that's that's part of his character development. Yeah, no, I think it, to, it's yeah. definitely on purpose. But you're right. He sh- he has an income beyond his acting work. Yeah, it's, al- it's also in the days of the 25 cent cup of coffee. Right, that's true. But he's outside of a theater. Uh, dressed as this character captain avenger and he's being harassed by a bunch of teenagers one of whom is a very early appearance not the first feature film appearance but a very early appearance for mr kevin bacon yeah unmistakable Uh, yeah i I was just like hey i thought it was going to be one of those cameos where you're like if you squint you can tell it's like no no no. this is very blatantly kevin bacon showing up all of a sudden and did you say this is his first uh not his very first no he had other roles before this i think he'd been in two movies before and one of them he he didn't have like a character name 
Hmm. But so this is first, this second or third film, and uh, credited as second teenager. Was say, was he that really? He, he couldn't didn't have possibly get... had a character name in this. He runs up to him and yells at him for a few. But seconds he's also and runs away. Technically, the second because he's not the first kid to make fun of Captain Avenger. <laughs> but he point. he tried so hard to get that first position. Yeah, he just <laughs> he didn't he didn't make it. Didn't make first chair. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's. Uh, on his way home from this job, he stops at like some corner store that presumably he goes to all the time, but he's still dressed as Captain Avenger, and this store is getting robbed while he's there. And he's a character actor, but he's also like, he's uh, very method, so right. he just goes right into superhero mode. But we also had some uh, shots of him earlier, like keeping in good shape, exercising. Right, it seemed like he was trying to get into character by doing exercises and watching the original series. Uh, well, I and, think he just takes care of himself. Yeah, because sure, maybe you know he also talks about that he's uh, takes fencing and and stage fighting. So right. he, he's an actor. He's got to have a lot of stuff on the resume. Right, on the back of the headshot. But yeah, so he interrupts the robbing of this corner store and you know the people are so happy that they let him take his his milk without paying for it right and he insists on paying but they, they're still like no 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 please it's the least we could do for someone who probably staged a fight with some robbers just to get a free <laughs> half a gallon of milk no no they don't think this that. one's genuine this one's very genuine well, so he so he excitedly wants to tell people right about this crazy thing that happened, and he wants to go tell his new neighbor, which the last time he talked to her, he found out that she is like, what is she a producer? She's a set commercial. She, what, oh, set design, production designer, a set designer. Oh, okay. oh, I thought she was a producer. She said, "I make commercials." Like you well, know, you know, I say that too when I'm a PA. So you okay. say you make commercials? <laughs> yeah, I well, I thought I of her more like a producer type but i, I don't well, know if it's either clear. way um she's on set of this dog food commercial she works um on like a specific campaign of dog food commercials uh with this star dog sparky or something and uh and he goes to tell her on set he like figures out where their closed restaurant set is and just wanders in to tell her about what happened and she's like you got to get out of here i'm i'm at work we can talk about this later and i thought for sure they were setting up when they uh reset the position of the commercial with having all these people coming in the front door i thought for sure it was gonna the joke was gonna be he's gonna be stumbling in because he got caught up in the crowd with them while he's trying to leave and yeah. now and now he's inadvertently part of this commercial yeah he's in it now uh but that doesn't happen nope <laughs> i wanted um, it to happen though but uh when he gets home the landlord reminds him oh by the way you're a couple weeks overdue or a couple months overdue on your rent yeah and he's just like oh yeah no i should have a check here ah oh, it's not here sorry um so uh, can't do anything about it uh meanwhile on the other side of town there's a campaign manager and a pr office and he's complaining that all the polls are saying that his candidate is slumping in the polls the current mayor who is running for re-election mm-hmm. and uh people don't like him and the town is a mess of crime but they're really excited about this superhero that came through and like saved the day yeah and, and so you uh, know what the best thing is for a political campaign Fake superheroes. Exactly. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. Just riding that goodwill tour. It's essentially wag the dog. Right. But uh, the campaign manager here is uh, Kevin McCarthy, who is wonderful. I just love him and everything. Yeah. But uh, he was in the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1956 version, 
Um, and he was Dr. Hoke in Piranha. Yeah. But I always go to UHF. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, he, he's in a lot of Joe Dante stuff. Yeah. But uh, um, I always think of his character as of Scrimshaw in the Inner movie Space. Inner Space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he's also in uh, The Howling, too. Oh, of course. Yeah. The Howling, too? No, he's not in The Howling 2. What is the name of The Howling 2? It's like, Your Sister is a Your Werewolf. Your Sister is a Werewolf. Is that 2 or 3? Like, what is the, the title is literally The Howling 2 or 3, Your Sister is a Werewolf. It's just like, I'm sorry, can we just pause for a second? Is that the log line or is that the title? No, that's no, 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 that's, that's the it. title. Is English your first language? Fourth. It's the second one. It's the second yeah, one. It's the second, second one. one. Howling 2, Your Sister, colon... Your sister is a werewolf. Wow, that's that's starring uh, Christopher Lee. Yeah, well, Christopher. Yeah, Christopher Lee. Yeah, <laughs> he was required to be in every movie for a good chunk of the seventies and eighties. What is the guy's name in uh, UHF? A UHF station. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so great. Because of some fly by night UHF station, a UHF station. He's the head of, like, the network station, and he's furious that Weird Al's station is, like, ruining him in the... Ratings. The ratings. Yeah, as soon as the campaign manager leaves the office, the PR company's like, oh my god, we hired a bunch of people to dress up like Captain Avenger. I bet that was one of our guys. We'll just leave him out there, and he's gonna, like, bring the mayor's numbers up just by being out there fighting crime because he's gonna make people excited about the city. Well, the head of this PR firm makes a lot of leaps... Like, yeah. yeah. It was just like, no, I know for sure it's one of our guys. Well, what are the chances, though? They gave out like 36 costumes and then a, a, yesterday, and a, the robbery was thwarted that night. But then he holds up the picture of John Ritter and goes, I think it's this guy. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I think had, it's him. They had like four that they had narrowed it down to based after. on absolutely nothing. No, I think that they, they like did some research before they got to that narrowing it down. Just based on like the neighborhoods that they were from or something, maybe? I mean, there's a whole bus full of these guys dressed as this yeah. character. Yeah, right see, now. I think they said they had 62. I think they said 60. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe it is. It was a lot. But Which he was like, well, let's get the costumes crazy to back. Me. Like, what are you doing that you're advertising this film it's with the weirdest campaign ever. 60 fake superheroes around your city in yeah. one evening? Like, first of all, this is a movie, and that's clearly not the guy that's in the movie. Who mm-hmm. cares about, like, signing an autograph with some Joe Schmo you stuck in a suit? Like, that's that just seems like a really weird advertising campaign. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Disney has a bunch of people at their park dressed up as Captain America wandering around. So it's like, part of it is just, like, outreach to the fan base if it's a franchise or something like that. But it's, it's weird that anyone would, like, anyone over the age of, like, eight would be legitimately interested in talking to a person dressed as this character. It'd be like it'd like be meeting a mall Santa. Yeah. But so he uh Steve our our lead uh flubs an audition because he can't concentrate cuz the guy that he's running his lines with is supposed to be playing a woman but it's just like an electrician that was on set just like reading <laughs> the lines very like straightforward and uh and he's like I'm I'm sorry I'm having a little trouble like keeping a straight face for this scene and they're like next he's like ah crap so he gets in his taxi and he's driving around playing mr incredible listening to the police radio and he hears about a car chase that's going on like an active car chase that he just immediately involves himself with Mm -hmm. as it turns right on like he wouldn't even need the radio because it turns right in front of him onto his street and uh he gets he just starts pursuing the guy after the cops even lose him and causes the car to flip in the road 
Yeah, it seems a little reckless considering this cab is your alternative form of income right. in theory. So I mean, it, it doesn't seem to be little, doing much good. Yeah, well, we don't it seems even know a if little careless cab. of him. Right. Um, like, like it might belong to the cab company too. Yeah, it probably does. Worse. Well, we never see him return it, so maybe maybe he's broke because he spent all of his money but, on it. In fact, I don't think we see the cab ever again. <laughs> yeah. After this scene, yeah, this might be the end of it. I mean, but, I guess he is rather reckless. He is chasing down people in right. a vehicle he doesn't know and then gets out and they have a gun. Yeah, the guy gets out of the upside-down car with a gun and just immediately shoots Steve oh, yeah. in the arm. And he just like... Not from the force of the bullet, but just from the shock of having been shot, just collapses mm-hmm. in the street. Like, right. oh, oh God, this is why people don't do this. And he really didn't actually do anything to like yeah. thwart this crime from happening. He just stalled them long enough and the police showed up. But he did shout to the guy. He was like, hey, you, stop right there. And then he gets shot in the arm and he's like, ow. <laughs> but uh, it's like the kick-ass or super moment where you realize, oh, this is why people don't fight crime in costumes. I just remembered because they're not bulletproof and you don't have superpowers. Um, so he collapses, but he gets back in the cab and leaves because he doesn't want to be like interrogated by the police. He's not trying to get his name out there. He just thinks that he's a good superhero or hero, I guess. He's not a superhero. He doesn't have powers. Crime fighter. Is, is a caped crusader. Superhero he's, is he just is for people. a hero at large. Right. <laughs> But technically, so are you a superhero if you don't have powers? Or are you just a crime fighter? No, you're just a crime fighter. So Batman is not a superhero. Correct. Okay. Iron Man, not a superhero. Well, he... He doesn't have superpowers. That's true. That's true. He's got got money. He's got... Which is exactly the same thing Batman has. That's true. That's true. Okay. Yeah, I would would say not a superhero. Okay. Um, I, 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 I might argue that that is not the case. That that's not the line? That that it doesn't have to be superpowers within your body? I think above ordinary skill... So superhuman ability. Superhuman ability, be it naturally occurring in your body or through augmentation, I think is acceptable. Okay. Well, because Tony Stark doesn't have any superhuman ability. Even if he is, like, turns out he's the smartest person on the planet. His robot suit has superhuman abilities, though. Right, but that means that everyone is a superhero, because if any of them had that suit. And they are. Any of the other friends of his, you know. You're taking the theme of this movie very literally. When Pepper Potts puts on his suit, when What's-His-Face War Machine puts on the suit, he becomes a superhero. Right, but they're not a superhero outside of the suit. Neither is Tony Stark. He's That's, just okay. an entrepreneur. So you're agreeing that far that he that when he's not in the costume, he's not a superhero. Yeah, it's okay. he's just Tony. He's just Tony. <laughs> I love that you're on a first name basis with this fictional character. Um, but yes. So anyway, uh, superhero discussion aside, he is shot and goes home, and uh, he's collapsed in the hallway because he's locked out of his apartment. Yeah, because his landlord finally pulled the trigger and locked it. Eh, pull the trigger. <laughs> uh, oh. that, um, his neighbor comes home, who this whole time is referring to herself as J, just the letter J. Yeah. Her name is J Marsh. And she sees him in the hallway and he explains, oh, guess what? You know that, that robbery that happened? Well, that was me and I did another dumb thing and I got shot. Look at, here's a here's blood. And, uh, and she's like, oh my gosh, well, why don't we go in there and and try and take care of that and he's like well the funny thing here i got this lock on my door and so she brings him into her apartment 
and she says something like what is what is his full name it's like steve steve nichols steve nichols mr nichols mr nichols well she calls him s nichols it's because they're referring to each other by their mailboxes oh okay i missed that joke um but then so she brings him in and explains that her actual name is jolene and that she moved from another nicer place to this terrible apartment complex um, and he keeps asking her about it, and she doesn't want to go into it. Uh, she dresses his wound and basically says, you can stay here for a while since you can't get into your place. Um, then the PR guy that we saw earlier arguing with the campaign manager says, hey, you know what? We can get this superhero. We kind of own him, so we can get him to uh, to endorse your guy and keep fighting crime in the city, and everyone will love it. Um the mayor, by the way, I haven't mentioned this, but he's only in two movies. Yeah. <laughs> he's only ever been in two films. And it was this and Taxi Driver. Here he's playing the mayor, and in that movie he's playing the, the guy running for Congress, Palantine. But, and, and both have hmm. encounters with people who drive taxis? And who think they are superheroes and try and save the day. And get shot. And get shot. So, and are Al- uh, So it's basically the same movie. But it's not Al Pacino. <laughs> no. It's Robert De Niro. Oh, boy. But uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of connections to Taxi Driver in this movie in terms of like, oh, anyone could be a hero if you're just if you're doing the right thing. The mayor says, or the campaign manager says, all right, well, if you can lock this down, then I'm not going to leave you for a different PR firm that we've been talking to. Um, and so the PR guy manages to track down Steve and says, hey, we want you to endorse the mayor at a speech, and we want to start setting up scenes. Basically, we want you to keep fighting crime and making the people happy. But this time, we're going to be in control of the situation. Yeah. And we're going to have witnesses. Right. I'm so distracted by your commentary about what Taxi Driver is about. That anybody can be a hero. Well, it's kind of... I mean, that's what the... To me, the point of Taxi Driver is that it's a very thin line between a maniac and a hero. Well, that's... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, like, I feel like, you know, Travis Biggles is more of an like an anti-hero well that's the that's the thing is that he could have been like a cold-blooded murderer but in the end he's being celebrated as like this national treasure for killing a bunch of pimps and saving this little girl but it's like oh it's it's just because he screwed up the assassination that day that he went and killed different people and so but literally anybody even a mass murderer could be a hero if he's mass murdering the right group of people yeah okay (laughs) that's a fair assessment i was just you know that was you know calling him a hero is yeah, it's weird. weird. Well, they do it at the end of the film. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I know. I he's guess that's getting letters from the family and everything. Um, spoiler alert: If you haven't seen Taxi, <laughs> Taxi Driver, Taxi Driver. If you haven't, <laughs> if you haven't seen, seen Taxi, taxi oh my that God, show takes crazy a turn. <laughs> he, Steve, is on a train the next day. Um, that is suddenly being held up by a man, and uh, and. He's asking for everyone's wallets and telling everybody to get down and put their hands on the ground. And uh, then Steve shows up and saves the day, beats the guy up, and uh, gets him arrested by the police. And yeah, m- miracle that he's on the train. Yeah, and then he was able to, to instantly in and... change into the costume. Yeah. And there's a reporter woman, this um, this sort of pessimistic uh, reporter woman who's like making fun of the campaign the whole time as she reports on it. And even here, she's kind of like, 
this is weirdly convenient, isn't it? That he just showed up out of nowhere. And then some of the witnesses are talking about the speech that he gave on the train about how everyone can can help out and he's there to save the day. And she's like, that sounds weirdly familiar. Like, I feel like I've heard these words before. And she puts two and two together that this was this was a staged moment. But how she comes to have her quote-unquote informant, I don't understand how we got there. Yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but yeah, so uh, one last time, uh, Steve tries to basically uh, push Jay into a relationship, which she is not interested in, and was like, yeah, I kind of thought that you had this impression in your head. That's not what we are. I'm not interested. Um, so leave me alone. And he well, goes, but it's it's but it's more than that though. It's actually like the sweetest rejection. Yeah, because like, she's smiling the whole well, time. Well, she's, she's smiling like, the whole time, but she's also saying things like, "I can imagine us having kids together," and like that's not what like, I. I don't want to take care of you. Like, and, yeah, that's not what I want right now. So it was it was really kind of sweet because she was just like she's like I don't want to get caught up in this because I could really fall for that and fall for you yeah. and like have all these things that I do but want. She's like, but she's like, I want a career, but and she's I can't not ready for you. it. Yeah. And so she's rejecting him in sort of the sweetest, kindest way, being like, I really do like you. Yeah. So he's bummed about that, and he's bummed about faking this life-saving on the train. So he goes to the PR people, and he says, you know what? Never mind. I don't want to do this. This isn't... And they're like, well, what? You're an actor. You Didn't you want to act? Isn't this what you wanted to do? And he's like, what I wanted to do was help people and i'm not actually helping anyone and he's like oh well people think you are it's like that's not the point so he tells them he's not going to do it anymore um and we cut to where he was supposed to be given the key to the city and endorsing the mayor and he hasn't shown up yet and they're starting to freak out um so the mayor speaks for a while and everyone's booing him because they're like we don't care about you we want to see captain avenger which is weird because again this is a this is the world where this movie came out so if you're if you hear captain avenger is going to give a speech after the mayor or endorsing the mayor you expect chris evans to show up right not the guy or, from disneyland or we also they also have 61 other captain avengers yeah. who could just show up yeah there's no reason that you have to wait for this specific guy you have a bunch of people in costumes where their eyes are obscured <laughs> partially yeah by the weird visor that sort of just sticks yeah, off just at like this off funny of angle yeah. off their face um, but uh but yeah so he uh he shows up at the last second and speaks to the crowd and basically gives this whole anyone can be a hero speech about how you know you just you just have to believe in yourself and when you see something wrong happening you have to step in and you can't just let bad things happen and literally any one of you could do everything that i've done so far um and uh then the pessimistic reporter turns the crowd against him right and her informant is the guy that held up the train. Right. And who how, presumably was getting paid for that job. Right. And how she found him is the big question mark. Right. Like, well, I would assume he went to her. But why? Again, he's getting paid for a job. You'd think- I don't have the actor's name here. Maybe you can look it up. The holdup man. But uh, he is a stuntman, obviously, because he has a big fight with... Um, his picture is a Gorn. Because oh, is he, is, is he the Gorn? He, he is the Gorn ah. from the Gorn scene from Star Trek. Gary Combs. Gary Combs, there you go. So he's the Gorn from the climactic Gorn scene at uh, Vasquez Rocks. Okay, this is the weird green monster that yes. Kirk fights at Vasquez Rocks. Kirk does his Rocks. two-hand okay. punch at. Yeah, the, 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 the captain against captain fight. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so he's he is a stuntman on the film and the actor playing the holdup man who comes back to turn the crowd against Captain Avenger. Um, and he decides that he's just going to leave town. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that the crowd is kind of split. They're, they're, that's true there's some people that got the message and there's some people that didn't get yeah the like they, they actually start brawling over it like mm-hmm. the the believers versus the non-believers which is the opposite of what he wanted anyway he didn't want people fighting over his legacy he just wanted he was just trying to get a message out there but so he goes home he puts all his stuff in a suitcase and he's like all right i'm out of here and jay march is like i got the message like other people watching got the message i'm not the only person that was paying attention to what you said and the fact that you faked this train thing is terrible, but it doesn't invalidate your point. And uh, and so he's like, yeah, whatever, bye. And he leaves. And as he's walking away, you hear fire trucks and an ambulance. And it turns out the building down the street is on fire. And they've gotten... It's a Spider-Man situation. Yeah, <laughs> they've yeah. gotten everybody out except for one woman who can't find her baby. I was going to go Incredibles. Oh, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> been a, a, the exact scenarios in a bunch of movies. Probably backdraft like four times. <laughs> um... But yeah, so they get this woman out of the top floor and she's like, I can't find my son. I don't know where he is. You got to get him out of there. And they're like, no, we got to get all the firefighters out of the building. That place is going to come down. So again, he jumps to the rescue and goes right into the building. Well, somehow he's just on the roof. Yeah, yeah, he made up made up, up the roof somehow. Well, he, I mean, they show him like standing in the crowd, like seeing this go down. Right. And then, suddenly, and then there's one yeah. quick shot of him completely naked in the alleyway trying to put on his tights. <laughs> To change into the Captain Avenger costume. He, I think he was still wearing it from when yeah. he went to the was he? I thought event. He, I yeah. thought he was back in his regular clothes. No, no, he, no. he, he was just wearing a like a homeless man's overcoat. <laughs> okay, yeah, on yeah, top yeah. of it. You're right, you're right. Yeah. He was uh, like the Ninja Turtles do, and they're above ground. They yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in, in the there. trench coats <laughs> yeah. with no shoes. Yeah, <laughs> just walking around with big weird green feet with three toes. <laughs> Bunch of sewer freaks. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he jumps uh, roof to roof. And uh, gets into the building and finds the kid locked in a bathroom. So when his mom was like, honey, you got to get out of there. The building's on fire. He was like, I'm taking a crap, ma. <laughs> I locked the door for I a reason. Like as a as a as a mother, like I would be a little bit more specific about my child because I was literally thinking yeah, he was trying I, to find a baby yeah, in I was there. Like, and this, this kid was like 10. Yeah. Because she's screaming, my baby. My baby. I, mean, I understand like. You know, which would, made it that much more confusing baby, but... when she was like, I can't find him. And I was like, where the hell do you baby, put your baby? Like, where was your baby while you, <laughs> while you were home that you can't find it? Because if he goes in there and this baby's in a crib, I'm going to not forget the line where she said, I couldn't find the baby. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it was in the baby box where you put babies. <laughs> But it was just like, it's like, I didn't even check every room. I couldn't find my son. It's like, were any of the doors locked? Well, yeah, the bathroom. But I don't know where he is. So, turns out he was in the bathroom. She should have checked there. I honestly would go, I would die in a fire before I would be at the window going like, I can't find my kid. I would just be like, Jack, where are you? <laughs> he goes and he saves the kid. But before he can get out of the building, it collapses. Oh man, he has to drop the kid under under like one of those yeah, beds. like four or five stories. But he just full on just goes. But <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I think drops. that's the right way to do it. I don't think there's like a preferred method for like, throwing. A I child don't think you want any trajectory on this well, thing. No, no, like, but I thought he was gonna say like like hang on, kid. You know, like you know, don't don't flail on the well, way down or something. The, he just kind of the goes, firemen were giving but... him a countdown. I think the point is that he's supposed to just go limp and 
and fall. But yeah, so right, he's standing on this edge and he just drops the kid into the thing. But then before he can get down, the walls collapse around him. And we get a bunch of shots of people freaking out, including Jay, who is now caught up with the firefighters. Right. And she's losing it. She's like, somebody's got to get in there and help him. And the firemen are like, nah, we can't go in there. Like, yeah. It's too bad of a problem. And these two guys that we kept cutting to during his speech downtown are like looking at each other like, we're, we, we're heroes. I, I like the way the guy says, I'm going in. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, so these two guys decide they're going to go help him. And even the chief of the fire department is like, whatever, I'm going in too. Yeah, I'll go in. You guys stay out. Like, I'm not going to risk my men's life. Right. I'll risk but my But I'm going to do it myself and he's old, so it's fine. And, uh, <laughs> and they all die. They all the die. End. But it's, no. the point is that they're heroes. They die heroes. No, they uh, they get them and they get them out. And it's cool. There's this one long, like tracking shot of them coming out of the building. It's not all one shot, but there's one shot of them coming through the front doors, and then there's a shot that follows them from the sidewalk all the way up to the fire trucks away from the building. And then while they're standing there at the building, Jay comes up and says, "Oh, I love you." And then the building collapses behind them. Mm-hmm. But it clearly like showers a bunch of debris where they yeah, were standing yeah. at the beginning of this take yeah. i mean there's stuff there's pyrotechnics that went off where they were I, yeah. the building doesn't totally collapse right but pieces yeah. fall off of yeah. it where right. they were standing but eight so, extras were killed in this scene eight eight no eight extras. Not, nobody died okay. but um, <laughs> but anyway i thought i thought that that was a cool shot that, that it was all one piece of them coming out of the building and then the the eruption happening behind them yeah but then we get the thing that made me mad about this movie was that the reporter Gloria Preston, and because the camera guy's like, "That was him, wasn't it?" The guy from the movie house, and she goes, "You know what? It doesn't matter who it was." It's like, "Yes, it does," because you <laughs> literally just ruined this man's life. Yeah, including he's even, a fake hero. Even tomorrow, people are going to be like, "Oh, who saved the kid?" Oh, the superhero that's getting paid to pretend to save people. Right. Oh, okay, but great. Oh, good job, Steve. Yeah, yeah. This nice. fake fire—you pulled a kid from a fake fire. Awesome. So, who do we charge this building to at your PR firm? Because you obviously did this on purpose. Like the arson investigation is going to be years. Yeah. Like at least have the. I, I really needed a scene of the reporter issuing some kind of retraction. You know, it's like you know, heroes do exist. Maybe she and... feels like it's still true, and it's like. I don't know. There's 62 of these costumes out there. Could have been anybody. It's irrelevant if he actually saved the day or not because I already got paid. And that's made me mad. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I am really angry with that situation. But uh, that's that's basically the end of the movie. I always wonder about uh, movies that choose to continue to roll footage over the credits. Yeah. And and Ghostbusters does it. I know. Like it's like that. It's like a decision. It's like. All right, you know the scene's over. They've walked out of frame. Yeah, but and so it's usually like a four-minute tilt to sky. Yeah, but this was just like a steady thing, and it was constant. They may have looped it, but yeah, it looked, I don't think so. I think it's all one piece. So you know, it's just a, such a strange thing to think about. Like, says, okay, now we just need to continue to shoot five minutes of, of this room way. tone. Nobody go over there. <laughs> yeah, just just five more minutes. Just keep it going. Keep yeah. it going. I, I, don't, I don't remember what's, what what shot are we going out on? It's literally looking down the street back towards yeah. their apartment the, from where the fire the, was. They're walking oh, away right. from the camera, and you see like a fire truck. And the only thing that you know that it's still rolling is because the fire truck light is spinning. Spinning. The whole so time. you're seeing it, the light change. Yeah. So I mean, that's why they said they could have really cleverly looped it. Yeah. Um. But also, it just seems like an odd choice just to use up all that film for that and get it processed and everything just to 
to be over the credits. This whole movie seems like an expensive use of film. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not. Ouch. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. I liked it. Um, this is the director Martin Davidson's fourth film. It's the first one he didn't write. Um, it was written by A.J. Carruthers. Uh, this was Carruthers' second to last film. Uh, Secret to My Success was his last film. John Ritter as Steve Nichols is yeah. obviously people know from Three's Company or if you're younger, maybe Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. I, I like Problem Child. Yeah. Is uh, some <laughs> yeah. of my favorite work from him. Uh, no Love for uh, Hearts of Fire? I don't know that. No? What's Hearts or of he Fire? Was, uh, he was like the... He worked for some senator and some was like it wasn't like Spin City, but uh, he he worked in politics in some kind of way. Was oh. it a TV show? Yeah, hmm. uh, I want to say. Doesn't even sound familiar. I want to say it was him and Annie Potts. Oh, well, I should like it because Annie Potts is adorable. So is John Ritter. That's true. They're oh, it's Marky Post. Sorry. Oh. Also great. Marky Post sucks. <gasps> what? Who's Marky Post? <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was uh, one of the 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 attorneys on Night Court. Oh, okay. Her and John Larrick. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, like the the short-haired? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ann Archer was Jay Marsh, who plays uh, Michael Douglas's wife in Fatal Attraction. Um, she's also Danny DeVito's wife on, or ex-wife on Always Sunny. She's the mother of Dee and Dennis on that show. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. And uh, she plays the wife of Harrison Ford in both of his Jack Ryan outings, Patriot mm-hmm. Games and Clear and Present Danger. Um, Bert Convy, who plays the PR representative Walter Reeves, uh, will be Brad next year in Cannonball Run for us. Um, Kevin McCarthy, obviously, we already went over. He was yeah, Calvin yeah. Donnelly, the campaign manager, and just hilarious, hilarious that guy. It seems like he got he leaned into his funnier stuff later in life. Like he was he was more of a serious or a scary actor. Yeah, but I th- he he must have a really good sense of humor. Yeah. about the situations, the things that he's in. But the the stuff that he gets done in UHF. It's just like that's career making for me. It's just he, the funniest. It's, I think it's because he he looks like that per, kind of person who can just get enraged. Yeah, he's got a good rage face. Yes, yeah. and take that ridiculous thing off. And take that ridiculous thing off. <laughs> and his son is wearing like a raccoon hat, and he goes up and rips his mustache off. <laughs> um, uh, Harry Belliver played Eddie, uh, who I think is. Uh, Steve's agent in this movie and this was his second to last film role before playing an old miner in Larry Cohen's The Stuff The which Stuff is, which is I think it's like a blob ripoff I'm pretty sure it played at the New Beverly recently I think it's the things that you put in like door jams it's an expanding foam no that's different <laughs> um, and we talked about Leonard Harris already he played the mayor and uh, Charles Palantine in Taxi Driver uh, he's not even an actor. The, he was in these two movies, but he's not an actor by trade. His career was as an obituary journalist. That's a career? <laughs> Apparently. Um, you know those things are really expensive. Obituaries? Yeah. To like actually post one of them in the newspaper? Oh, to post. I was like, I always get them for free. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But that's, uh, that's about it for the cast on this one. Well, uh... A special appearance by Dr. Joyce Brothers. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. They, they When they show, uh, there's some TV commentators talking about this superhero running amok in town, uh, a la the montage in Ghostbusters where they're like, oh, what do you think about these Ghostbuster characters? Yeah, yeah. It, essentially like that, just like where he had like Larry King, or we had Dick Cavett in the, uh, uh, yeah, in the previous movie. in Simon. In Simon, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he had Larry King and he had, uh, 
A couple other people. Casey he, was, he was on like Joe Franklin or something. Oh, wait, sorry. I thought we were talking about Back to Ghostbusters. Yeah, he, uh, Joe Franklin is the guy who's like... Yeah, I'm sure there's one big question on everybody's mind, and I imagine you are the man to answer that. How is Elvis, and have you seen him lately? And then we had, of course, Casey Kasem. Right, yeah. yeah. The boys in blue slugged it out with a pesky poltergeist, <laughs> then stayed on to dance the night away with some lovely ladies who witnessed the disturbance. <laughs> this is Casey Kasem. Now on with the countdown. So, Hero at Large, is this worth watching? Uh, I actually would say, yeah. I, I, I think it's fun. I think it's enjoyable. And I think that it's a unique opportunity to see John Ritter do some stuff. Yeah, early John Ritter. This is like halfway through his run on Three's Company. Yeah. Because they're running I mean, for about eight to, years. To be fair, I never watched Three's Company. I knew of him. I knew of it. I only watched The Ropers. But so. I never... <laughs> <laughs> the what? The Ropers. <laughs> I didn't watch either, actually. The the Ropers were the first landlords, uh, played by Audra Lindley and Norman Fell. Yeah. I effing love Three's Company. <laughs> and... Wasn't did Don Knotts come in at the yes. end of the series? No, yeah, he came in later when the Ropers did their spinoff. Oh, okay. Uh, so Mr. Furley was brought in. But it was as... called the Ropers, right? The spin-off. It was yeah. called the Ropers. Okay. See, I don't even know any of this. Yeah. But R- Richard is slightly older than us. Yes. Barely. Slightly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your teeth fell. Uh, I, I am I'm going, I'm giving this movie a pass. Uh, watch Three's Company instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think um, I probably side with Richard on this one. I think that, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say this is a this is a must-watch situation. It is it is enjoyable. I'm not trying to change your vote. Just We're just putting our two cents in. But um, your vote no longer matters. But it, yeah. So anyway, canceled what she said. <laughs> Letterboxed. Where does this go in Letterbox for you, Jess? Well, I actually put it after the fog and ahead of American Gigolo. And what about you, Richard? Uh, I actually put this below American Gigolo, but above Simon. Okay, so you guys are finally changing. We, yeah. Not by much. Really? You'd rather watch American Gigolo again than this? Yeah, I think I would. Oh. Um, I actually put it below American Gigolo and above To All a Good Night. Um, yeah, but that's about it for this one. Um, if you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Letterboxd. Or as I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We're also available at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you take the time to leave us a review, we will personally thank you in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can support the show through patreon.com slash vintage video podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing The Last Married Couple in America, which IMDb succinctly summarizes thusly. Mari and Jeff Thompson start to doubt their own marriage when every couple they know separate. We leave you now with a trailer for The Last Married Couple in America. God, Ma, you and Sally, you got along so well, really making it. Not really. But every time we were with you, whenever we saw you together, I mean, I know every marriage has its problems, but you guys, 23 years? It was all fake. No. It was all pretense. It got to be that way. Play acting, both of us. <laughs> it was so phony sometimes we go home and be sick, but we still kept on doing it. We were wondering why you dropped out of class. Ah, we hated that class. Why'd you take it? I don't know. Everybody's taking something. 
You want another drink? Yeah. I still can't figure it. What happened, Marv? I don't know. Everything's so confused. You know what I mean? Police strikes and, and, and women's live in condominiums. Uh, what has that got to do with your marriage? Huh? I don't know. Something. But what about Sally? I don't know who she is. She disappeared years ago. I think I did, too. What about you? Your marriage is rotten, right? Hey, Marv. Come on. No. No, we, we go through the blahs, but... Come on. Not... No. Come on. Tell me the truth. You can tell me the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Whenever anybody used to ask me, I used to say, yeah, mine's great, just great. But I was lying. You're lying, too, right? I'm not lying. Yeah? <laughs>